Hello, my friends. I'm Shay Marville. Welcome to the second season of Let's Talk, a podcast dedicated to healing and growing through conversations, stories, and deep listening. We are an alchemy of one another. Talking helps us to relieve our burdens, to suffer less, because we are each other's medicine if we choose. So let's talk. Rohan, my friend, welcome. <laughs> welcome to Let's Talk. I am yes. so grateful to have you here today. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I appreciate uh, more than you know, just the opportunity to kind of sit and, and chat with you, right? And uh, for us to get to know each other a little better and, 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 and have some good, good conversation. Yeah, chat and, and, and play with some, some ideas in the mm-hmm. public space that we don't always get to talk about. And, you know, you, you and I met this year because we were uh, participating in a Walmart panel around mm-hmm. mental health and, and, and racialized people in particular, mm-hmm. um, members of the Black community. I, I really wanted to talk to you from your lens of, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a social worker, mm-hmm. um, as a practitioner who is looking at things from the lens of anti-racism, and, and maybe you can, you know, correct me around what the right wording is about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and I, I just wanted to hear from you, like, what are you seeing and, and mm-hmm. what are you, you thinking we need to turn to as we emerge? From, yeah. from this pandemic? Yeah, yeah, I think, I, I think so, so a couple great question. And so, so a couple of things is, you know, um, with, with a lot of our people, you know, the pandemic for a lot of folks, but in particular our, our folks, right? And we've seen, you know, research studies, you know, literature uh, is that the, the pandemic has really just sort of exacerbated or heightened or amplified, um, you know, the differential, you know, experience um, that that we have as a people. And so, you know, with a lot of the folks that I'm seeing right now, some of the things are related to sort of financial sort of insecurity. And Mm. and that being because, you you know, they're working in the types of fields and spaces that haven't benefited from the pandemic, right? So it's either they're in industries that that shut down for big blocks of time, or industries where they actually physically had to go in. Right. Mm. And so that created a lot of stress and a lot of concern. Um, and people were bringing that into the home. Right. People mm. were bringing their concerns around financial insecurity into the home. And so that was creating levels of anxiety, upset, uh, malcontent. And that is being experienced in the home, you know, with partners, with children. Um, and we can understand, you know, that is sort of a recipe for, for, for challenge. Right. Right. And so anyone who before the pandemic Mm-hmm. was vulnerable mm-hmm. during the pandemic, they, that, that vulnerability just became magnified. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So, so if we even think about, so for example, black men, we go to the barbershop. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, Let's and, talk about hair. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really important. Right. Yes. I, in some ways I feel like my barber is my therapist as well. Yes. But, um, you know, like, you know, just in a really personal experience that, you know, the shop was closed down for months on end, right? Mm. And that was the primary source of income, you know, for 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 the for the gentlemen and and women who, yeah. who run that yes. shop. And and in speaking to them, they're, you know, they they tell me about the financial stress uh that they've been under because because of the pandemic and sort of a a you know thematically um a feeling of a lack of control, right? Not yes. being able to exercise a particular agency because there's this thing called the pandemic and the government response to it that folks just have no particular, very little control over, right? Yes. And yes. so when you begin to layer that sort of with how, you know, uh, racial trauma or, or racial violence, you know, this, this, this feeling of, you know, this internalized racism and, and some of the outcomes that, that come, come with that is, is, is a great sense of lack of, lack of agency or lack of control as though we don't have the ability to influence what is happening around us, right? See, okay, I, I really appreciate what you're saying. And, and there's two terms that I I would love for you to unpack for us a little bit because uh, they are becoming more 
present in our public conversation. And I, and I think it's, it's very important in terms of seeing the, um, the psychological suffering of racialized people and, uh, um, and, and in, in particular black people in, in this conversation. And, and that's around racialized you know, trauma and, mm-hmm. and, and racialized you know, violence. Can you mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit more about what that means in terms of your practice? Yeah. So in in my practice, you know, and the vast majority of people that I see are, they identify as Black, you know, I wouldn't even say racialized, you know, like 99% of the folks that I see are Black. And and so we also- You're one of the few, just not to, you know, not to be rude and and, Mm -hmm. um, jump in, but you are one of the few uh, therapists, social workers in Canada that, that have that very specific focus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I I hear that. And and I'm very, um, you know, I feel really grateful and appreciative uh, of that. Uh, But I got to be, if I'm completely transparent, it's that, you know, people often, you know, they're very intentional in in seeking in seeking me out. And, Mm -hmm. and if you're, if you're, if you're male, you identify as male, um, and you're looking for a therapist, and we think about barriers, um, to um, to accessing therapy, you know, folks are are looking for similarities, right? And so, right. Um, in the field, there's just there's not a lot. There's more women therapists than yes. there are, uh, and there's more black women therapists than there are black male therapists, right? Of so, um, so 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 uh, so kudos to you know the to to the men who sort of reach out to me and are willing to be vulnerable and say that I need help. And so anyway, so I'm really lucky that way. Um, but my, my, my practice looks as though like it's almost exclusively um, that I work with black folks. Uh, yes. all the, you, you know, that was, you know, it was the plan. It was the hope, but I never thought it would actually materialize that way. Right. Well, and, and it's, and it's not so much that you are saying you only work with black folks. Cause I know you don't, <laughs> but you work with issues that are particular to, to, to black folks. And yeah. so, and, and because there's so few places mm-hmm. to have those conversations that are safe and, mm-hmm. and, and have, and you have a professional who also understands the cultural context that you may come from. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's probably why your practice is, is just expanding even now, right now, because so many people understand the need for context as well with, with, while they're getting support. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, so, so if we're, if we're sort of just come back a little bit to, to your, your question there, just around, you know, racial violence. Yes. Uh, and, and so I think about. And trauma. And, and trauma. trauma. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll absolutely come to that. And so when we think about racial trauma, you know, racial, racial trauma, which is a byproduct of racial, racial violence, you know, we think about it in terms of it being, you know, mental, emotional, physical, you know, psychological and such. And it's, it, it really comes as a result of, you know, discrimination or differential treatment that we experience, which is rooted um, in the color of our of our skin right and, mm-hmm. and we see roots of that um, going all the way back to the transatlantic slave trade um, and and we see the manifestation of those things all the way to present day right right so 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 that's really you know sort of what we're talking about in terms of uh, racial trauma and some of the of the violence and, and the byproduct of that is is the trauma and 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 what we find what I'm seeing often in, in my practice is that folks aren't necessarily making the connection to um, the things that they are experiencing and the impact on their their mental health being rooted in racial discrimination or anti-Blackness, right? Mm. Everybody who's making those um, distinctions. And so often there's a lot of Mm -hmm. self-blame that that occurs, right? Thoughts of, of, uh, and and emotions of sort of being unworthy, right? Not Mm. enough. Right, really buying into this idea, this notion, and 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 I understand where it comes from. Is you know I got to be twice as good, right? Yes, twice as hard and twice as good. You Um, hear that often. You hear this this concept. I mean, mm -hmm. there are many parents who say to their children and trying to help them to succeed. You Mm -hmm. know, you have to be better. You have to you know work harder. Um, because you are being evaluated and judged in ways that you can't even begin to fully comprehend. But, but that in itself seems to create a whole 
level of, of stress and anxiety about, you know, not feeling good enough. And which brings me right to the last bit that should, that it should show like the ways in which that it shows up um, is, is around, you know, imposter syndrome. So to speak, yes. right. Yes. Yes. Um, really tied back to this piece around not being good enough. And so, you know, so, so I think it requires in my practice, you know, it requires a bit of a reframe, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the reframe is, is what we like to talk about is dominant culture, so to speak. And, and the, 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 what is normative of dominant culture and, and, and the othering that happens to any and everybody who sits outside of dominant culture. Right. And then the value that we that we ascribe to dominant culture and the devaluing of anyone and everything else that falls outside of dominant culture. Right. And so what is normative is is whiteness. Right. Uh, Way of way of being knowledge. We see. Um, like white folks, you know, sort of in societies inherently, you know, being smarter and leaders and, you know, and all that right. sort of things. And, and then as, as black folks, well, then where does this, where does that leave us? Yes. Yes. Well, also uh, just, just if we could go back a little bit to the concept of imposter syndrome, yeah. which I mean, is, it is in my practice, there's a lot of conversation with clients about imposter syndrome, uh, it seems to be rampant in our culture generally. And it, it seems that both men and women Absolutely. suffer from imposter syndrome. And, um, you know, j- imposter syndrome is this idea that, you know, you're never quite good enough, and you're in a position, you're, you're mm-hmm. in a position, but you're not necessarily deserving of it. And, mm-hmm. and you're, you're continually and you're, you be, find yourself in situations, work situations where you yourself can't even fully accept, uh, you, the opportunity in front of you because there's this sense of inferiority. And then I imagine for people of color and people who are black, um, if they're experiencing that, there's another layer to that, which is the lens, the, the gaze and the lens of racism. Absolutely. And so, so really, really great point. And one of the things that, and, and this shows up in my practice often, you know, so one of the things that I point to in regards to, you know, sort of deserving and not deserving and you know and there's there's a piece here around meritocracy that needs to be discussed as well but Mm. i like to reference and there's all sorts of literature and research out there but there's one in particular you know piece of literature that i sort of uh, speak about in my work um, and and then practice and and talk about how what does that look like in relation to people's experience in the workplace and that's uh research that was done here in toronto that took a look at um uh, callbacks for, for resumes, right? Um, and uh, I'm not sure if, if I spoke about this with you before. In, anyways. No, um, we didn't. We didn't it, talk about it. No. It, so, so the literature speaks to, you know, white sounding names and, uh, and black sounding names or non-white sounding names, right? right. Uh, yes. And looking at the rate of callbacks. And so it's a bit of research that's been replicated all over the world, right? The yes. one in Toronto that was done is, was, was a little bit more nuanced in that, you know, it had um, all things being equal. It was just a different sound of the names. And the one sort of uh, additional variable they put into it is that they added criminalities to white sounding names. Some of the white sounding resumes had criminalities added to their, to their, res- their resume. What, what does that mean, criminalities? Uh, you know, some identification that there is a criminal charge or conviction. Right. Okay. So that they've been, you know, something in their past ha- indicates that they've, okay. System. Yeah. And so, and so when they looked at, you know, the rate of callbacks, you, you know, you had white sounding names with no criminalities receive the most callbacks. Yes. Right? And number two was white sounding names or criminalities got the next amount of callbacks. Right? Fascinating. And then the third were black sounding names with no criminalities received the third amount of callbacks. Fascinating. And so, so I, I raise that in, in my conversations um, and, and in my therapy in regards to this idea around being deserving and qualified, you know, where we show up in our work, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that you're not necessarily good enough. In fact, you are good enough. The, the, yes. the, the issue is, is the type of discrimination that we experience in the workplace and the favor, right? The favor. Right 
that is bestowed upon white folks for no inherent or better, you know, they don't work harder or whatever, but it's sheer virtue of the way white supremacy is operating in dominant culture and how those who are in line with that gain favor. Right. right. And, the, and the idea that that white supremacy is this, it's 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 um really about saying that that white uh, people are normal and th- and that's the norm. And then, you know, then there are all these different other types of people and values attributed to them um, that are, you know, different levels of negativity or positivity. One of the the kind of the easiest way that I try to sort of speak about white supremacy is it's really sort of boils down to the way society is organized sort of economically, politically, um, all of our institutions um, organized in a way that um, uh, gives greater privilege uh, to those who, who have white skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when we think about a racial hierarchy, right, not all racialized people experience oppression the same way. Yes. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, the, those who experience the, the most intense violent sort of oppression would be those folks who identify as black and those who identify as, as, as indigenous. And then, you know, if you get intersectional with it, then it's. Yes black women and then, you know, and, and then indigenous women and such. Right. So my goodness, there's, okay. So there's so much here to unpack. If we could follow the line though, around, around trauma, violence, and there was something you said to me a number of months ago about Mm -hmm. the pain of black men Mm -hmm. and, and you working with that Mm -hmm. um, and it being seen and unseen, Mm -hmm. uh, just to stick with this idea for a moment, why is that important? For, for why is that a place of a focus for you? Yeah, yeah, good question. So <clears throat> the reason for me um, that that it's a place of focus and it comes up is is the this this sort of the, this condition around not being vulnerable, right? Um, this this condition around not being able to acknowledge that we're hurting, right, um, gets in the way um, is is an absolute roadblock to to black men, men in general, black men in particular, our own happiness, our joy, right, our our being content, us living our life in the most optimal fashion, right. Mm-hmm. It almost is is it, it it's it deprives us of joy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important for, for black men to be happy and experience joy because those black men tend to also be connected to families. Right. Yes. right. Connected to communities. Right. Yes. And yes. so the ripple effect on, 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 on how black men impact the black community more broadly. And so same thing if black men aren't doing well or the black community is not doing well. If yeah. Black women aren't doing well, Black community is not doing well. If Black queer and transgendered folks aren't doing well, our community is not doing well, right? Correct. And so when we also take a look and we pay attention to when we think about things like suicide rates, mm-hmm. with depression, um, addiction, substance mm-hmm. abuse, right? Mm-hmm. When we see things such as unemployment, when we see um, uh, graduation rates, um, we tend to see um, in the research that, that, that men, and when we have the disaggregated race-based data, we see that Black men are not performing as well as Black women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that would indicate to us that Black men are hurting, mm-hmm. Black men aren't doing well, and, and we need to tend to some of the, those issues that Black men are experiencing. Okay? And, 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 and I think one of the values or one of the things I value about your work Mm -hmm. is bringing forward the conversation that, that black men are in pain and require attention. And, and, and I think for, for black men to hear that for, Mm -hmm. for black men to hear that their pain is validated Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and that it's real and that you don't have to man up, all the time, uh, or have a kind of certain, or even deconstruct what this man up thing is about. What, I mean, we should, yeah. we should, yeah. we could, we should go there. 
yeah. should go there. It, <laughs> it, it's just, it's, I think, I think it's a, it's really important work because I think it, we also learn from, from the people who are creating space for us mm-hmm. to, to be ourselves. And we're also, and we're also trying to, to break, you know, um, cycles, right? Like general cycles, right? And so, you know, so our fathers learned how to be a man from their fathers who learned from their fathers and and people are just doing the best that they can. They could. (laughs) Like, so it's not a finger pointing. It's like people were just doing the best that they could, but what they were learning was, was problematic and, and, and ended up handing it down to us. And so, you know, some of the, you know, some of the conversations that I like to have with uh, some of the folk, the men that I work with is around, you know, help, help me understand your understanding of, of masculinity, right? Mm. And, and we can, you know, and let's start to have, what are some of the words? What are some of the characteristics, right? You know, and, and it's a really interesting conversation because, you know, before they feel comfortable, they'll be like, you know, honest and, you know, a breadwinner and protector of the family and, you know, all that yes. sort of stuff. But then you really start to to get into it. Uh, some from the, the toxic masculinity sort of characteristic traits come out in the conversation, right? And it's you know, womanizer, um, mm. you know, um, you know, sort of sort of in, like an authoritarian, um, you know, settling settling disputes with violence, and you know, yes. all using these, force, using yeah, force, and, and, and being stoic, and 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 being non emotional, right? right? All right. of these kinds of things, and then and then and then so that we can begin to also have a conversation around. First, I'll ask, how's that working for you? And then, <laughs> and then and then we begin to have a conversation around, or the conversation will pivot around. So. What happens, what are the words or the characteristics that we would attribute who aren't being masculine, so to speak? Exactly. exactly. Right? And, and, and the pressure, right, to and, and be what, that. But what comes out, though, is they end up um, articulating a lot of characteristics and traits that, that we, we, would, we would attribute to women. Mm-hmm. Right? Interesting. So, so you start to see that there's... <clears throat> It's if you're operating outside of the box, right? Yes. Seen as less than as a man, there are sanctions that come come with it, right? Yes. Uh, but 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 thirdly, it's if this is what we're doing to men who who we think identify with f- feminine traits, then how how are we how are we as men how are we treating women? Powerful question. How are we treating women? And and what and what do you hear back? And so, so, so here I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. Right? But I, just okay. want to, I know, I know we need, you know what, that. we need seven hours, you yeah. and I, like we do. <laughs> I'll come back to that. But when we start, start to ask some of the men around, you know, so what are, um, tell me about some of the men that you, you look up to, right. That you, yes. right. Um, uh, the men that you, that you'd want to go to for advice, right. They start to rhyme off men who um, are are very you know well grounded you know what I mean yes uh, very uh, reasonable uh, respectable um, supportive um, you know all of these all of these you know when they describe these men and they're the opposite mm. are almost the opposite of the characteristics that they identified when I asked them the question around define get, tell me what masculinity is profound. You're right. Wow. And so and so it so with it becomes you know the facade, the performance, the mask, yes. right? Yes. That we are carrying and doing at day in and day out, right? And the performance of that is putting us in at odds with our real, our, with our true authentic self. It's putting us at odds around closeness. And, and relationships and, and authenticity. Yes. And, and we know that close relationships, authenticity, um, belonging are all pieces that contribute to well-being, right? Yes. So, yes. so by by carrying on this facade, by by um, performing this very this very toxic sort of masculinity, by operating in the box we are actually operating against our own best interest. Yes, but 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 how do you operate in your own interest if you have 
not seen that kind of behavior or uh, that behavior is not rewarded, at least, you know, outwardly in the society. And I, I think, you know, even with some of the um, co- conversation that has has come out of the uh, Oscar event with Will Smith and, and Chris Rock, you know, there, I, I mean, as absurd as that situation was, uh, there's some very interesting uh, conversations that have emerged. And I mean, and just, you know, to give a caveat, I mean, absurd. And then, you know, it was um, an assault against Chris Rock. And so mm-hmm. there, you know, it, there, but then again, there's all this other nuance around the relationship between those, those two men and the relationship mm-hmm. between um, Will Smith and, and his partner, mm-hmm. uh, Jadis uh, Pinkett Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the conversations that I've seen that I've been really curious about have, has been this idea that Will Smith was being heroic in his behavior uh, because he was defending uh, his, his partner. And, and then you see all these other conversations that fall out of that about, you know, what, how a man should be. And, mm-hmm. and this idea that, that Will Smith behaved in a way that was unlike what, how they've come to know him. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's so interesting that, that this one event where he, he made a bad decision in a split second mm-hmm. has all of these cultural uh, mm-hmm. perspectives. Mm-hmm. And, and, and one of them is about the assessment and the analysis of what it is to be a black man and whether or not he's a role model for, for black men, right. which I think is a terrible position to put anyone in. Lots of conversation around this. And, and you know, if I could weigh in on it just, just a little bit is, you know, I think that first and foremost, I think, you know, people are, people are human beings and, and we are perfectly flawed and, and, and we are vulnerable, right? And, and we have moments of weakness, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we all, if we're all honest with ourselves, we've all had moments when we weren't our best, right? Every day. <laughs> so I, I would want to, I would want to offer, you know, folks who aren't their best, um, amount of grace and I hope that grace would be offered to me when I'm not my best yes with with that being said right we can still hold people accountable for 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 some of the harm and the impact that they've caused right Mm -hmm. I'm not here to render judgment around what should happen to Will Smith or you know or what should happen to Chris Rock that's not my job right I do what, what I am saying though is that regardless of um, kind of the circumstance around it, when we've created harm, we, people need to be held accountable appropriately, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so I'll say that. Um, I, I think this, 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 this piece or this idea around, you know, well, Will Smith did this, this had this act and he's no longer a role model. I'm like, you know, there's, and, and there are some racial undertones to this as yes, well. Of yes, you yes, yes. I would, because they're not applying the same, they're not applying the same analysis, right? You know, to to white folks in the academy who have done all sorts of like legitimate violence and wrong, and and, and we weren't so quick to sort of cast them away. So yes, yes. So, so I think you know we we need to sort of see see this. You know, there's we're always battling the trope of the angry black man who has a propensity to violence and all that sorts of stuff, and so so you know what part in this, in this particular instance where this trope is being levied. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. You see, that's how they really are. Right. Yes. <laughs> and even, you know, but I've, I find, I mean, I've heard that argument, you know, people have been concerned um, about, you know, his fall from grace uh, superficially. Uh, I, I think the thing that I have, thought about though is just that in in a matter of minutes you saw three or four different you know african-american men on that stage that that all show different types of characteristics and attributes and i i think i think this is one of the challenges in being a racialized black you know person and being a black person is that you, you you can't be human Right. That doesn't and, and, and you can do bad things and you can do good things. And it's just called being human. And, and right. 
Yeah. So here you go. So I think you just really hit hit the nail on the head, right? And and so when we're thinking about how anti-blackness operates within within white supremacy, is black folks don't get to be individuals. Yes. 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 So so, and that was drilled into you from a wee baby, right? Right. Everything you do, understand you are representing your people. Right. Well, so okay, okay. So this is this is really key. This is really key because uh, now I'm not talking about what other people think about us right now. I'm talking about within the diverse black communities. This idea that you have to represent Mm -hmm. your people. If you go to the grocery store, if you go to school, if you go to the movie theater, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, at work, it is so much pressure. And who does, does anybody else carry that pressure? And the answer is no. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and so again, right, again, within, within, within anti-Blackness, right, this is, this is one of the ways in which that it plays out, right, when we talk about internalized racism or internalized oppression, right, we were, we were taught to believe that everything we do is representative of the entire, and that, and that, and that the dominant is going to assess us based off of the actions of one or the small group. Now, now we can't do that with them, right? We yes. don't do that with others, but it's okay to do it with us. And and some of us have 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 you know, and again, it's around conditioning, right? Yes. Have bought into that unknowingly or knowingly have bought into that, right? For certain. So I think you know, in this particular example around Will Smith, I think we, I think we would be responsible to to push back against that. Yes. Right? So to your point, you're like, you know, um, uh, I think, uh, and I'm not the most sort of up to date on sort of entertainment stuff, but, um, you know, Questlove won an award right there. Yes, he did. Um, and then um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, you know, won a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yes, there. yes. Um, and, and, and so, and I think, you know, the, the, the director for the Oscars. It was, was yes, it, Will know, Packer. All yes. Yeah, yes. All Black cast. And so, and so if we're going to talk about, well, a defining moment for the people. <laughs> right. And, and I, and I, you know, and I think. Why, I, why don't those get to be the defining moment? <laughs> pre- pre- precisely. And I think also Chris Rock's be a response, you know, and, and, you know, and I, you know, personally, I, I really, I really have appreciated Chris Rock for many years, even though I have to admit, I blamed him at one point because mm. a gentleman after the, the, the documentary, he, um, he, he shared um, at the Toronto Film Festival, uh, I was at an event and a, a gentleman came up to me and I had a very, very uh, direct conversation with me about my hair that I did not uh, initiate. And I felt, I mm. thought to myself, this is Chris Rock's, <laughs> this, is, this is because of Chris Rock. It right. is, he, is, he has now shown all this stuff about our hair and people feel like they can walk up to us and, and, and talk, touch our hair and ask questions. Is your hair real, etc. Anyways, all, all he, jokes aside. He gave away the secrets. He gave away the secrets, but, but all jokes aside, I mean, I think the... Grace and I and I'm sure he was in shock as well. But you know, Chris Rock also represents a kind of behavior where mm-hmm. he continued with the show, yeah. and and he chose. And I think I'm not sure that he's said anything as yet about you know publicly no. about what he experienced. We have to be willing to not judge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and and, and to and to not throw away. Mm-hmm. And oh, I think yes. that's, 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 we, we are not, and I, and this is a conversation that, that happens often in, in my practice is that, you know, and you know, we are not the sum of our mistakes. Mm. We are not the sum of our mistakes. Right. And so, you know, I think we're, we would be wise to sort of take a posture around, you know, grace and forgiveness and understanding. Um, again, when people um, aren't their best. Right? Yes, and this this idea of throwing throwing folks away, like you, you know, Shay, could you imagine if you got thrown away for every you know misstep that you? No, I'd right? be living in a cave. Yeah, I'd be living. <laughs> absolutely. And you want to know what you know? You know, like we are worthy of redemption. Right? Yes, worthy yes. of forgiveness. Right. Well, and and not and we're worthy of forgiveness, but also, and I say this. Um, not 
thinking it's easy. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you go through events where your vulnerabilities and your frailties mm-hmm. uh, reveal themselves mm-hmm. and you fall from grace or you make a mistake, mm-hmm. uh, you hurt others, right? I don't know that there's anyone on the earth who hasn't, right? Absolutely. But when it happens, there is learning for you, the person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's learning for you to inhabit. And, and I think that I think that's where what there that's where success exists for me. I'm not talking about professional or academic mm-hmm. success, but success as a human being mm-hmm. that you could be humiliated mm-hmm. or crushed or you know some you you've done something and then you emerge from that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stronger. Yeah, no no uh, no losses, just lessons. Yes, right? I love that. No I love that. Just lessons, right? And 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 when when you talk when just in that piece that I think you 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 nailed so articulately is that that's that's that was my takeaway from it, <laughs> you know. Mm. And and that's where the growth is. And and if we you know and if we sort of think about it again, sort of from a a um, sort of from a mental health sort of practitioner perspective, right? I appreciate you that know, if you would. There's just this, 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 you know, this, I, you know, this modality or whatever to come from, you know, is like neutral, neutral thinking, you know, that they, that they reference. And it's, and, and it's that it, it's the acknowledgement that things happened, right? That's not, mm-hmm. we're not saying get over it, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, this, so let's just use the example here of the Oscars here, right? This, this, this terrible thing happened, right? Let's talk about it. Let's process it. Let's deal with it, right? Let's not act like it didn't happen. But once we've done that, you know, we have to turn our attention to, so what's next? Yes. Right? Like, what are we going to do differently as a result that we don't end up in this place again? Right. Exactly. And, And that's where the growth happens, right? That's where the resiliency happens. That's where the success happens, that life success that you speak to. Right. Uh, because because, again, if we are not the sum of our mistakes, right, then yes. that's liberating. Question I have, though, in mm-hmm. relation to this is, you know, the term toxic masculinity is thrown mm-hmm. around a lot right now. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the term triggered every, you know, everybody's triggered. Yeah. I'm triggered. I'm triggered. Absolutely. And 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 sometimes we don't like to talk about things unless we have a solution. Mm-hmm. But, but part of what you're saying is that mm-hmm. the solution is in expressing the compassion and the forgiveness mm-hmm. and, 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 and starting to think broadly about how you move forward. And, and what I'm wondering is, you mm-hmm. know, with our obsession with, mm-hmm. you know, defining toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. what is the solution in the set or not, not solution, but what, what, how would you suggest we have a conversation mm-hmm. about what it is and how we, we we bring healing to it. Well, I, I think great great question, huge question. Huge. Um, sorry. Yeah, and I think that you know one of the ways to to have the conversation, I think, is really to point out some of the phenomenons that that are happening in society, um, and what that looks like in regards to who's performing it, right? Mm. And so, like when we think about uh, domestic violence, right? Yes. You know, the, the performers of that predominantly, I mean, high predominantly are men. Yeah. Right. Yes. When we think about who's committing violent crime and murder in our country. Yes. Who, who's committing those? Predominantly men. Right. Yes. That's just yeah. that's just what it is. Like people don't, don't get mad at me. Those are just the numbers. Right. <laughs> and, and, and even when when women are when women are involved with the criminal justice system, you know, they're involved in it for very different reasons than men are. Mm-hmm. Right? like very different reasons very different yes and those are attributed to sort of vulnerability survival abuse. yeah like all of the all of those sorts of things right you know when I, I had mentioned earlier around you know if we take a look at rates of suicide and addictions and you yes. know like high disproportionate you know it is men who are um sort of at the wrong end of the spectrum on those pieces and so so you can see broadly, it's not just individual stories, but yeah. societally, right? Like men are struggling, you know, significantly, and there are impacts, 
right? Yes, that's right. They are that's very right. significant. So, so I think, you know, that's a place to sort of start in the conversation sort of more globally, right? And, and however, in, in my practice, you know, you know, when I'm, when I'm having these conversations with men, you know, often I go back to, you know, sort of where did it sort of all start for you? Like, when did you really notice that the performance of, of you know, some of these traits that we we label as being um, toxic masculinity, right? And it really mm. to happen early in the home. Yes, right? yes. Early with friend groups, right? By the time you get to school, right? Mm. Um, you know, the putting on the mask, so to speak, right? And so it becomes a learned behavior and it then also gets reinforced. Absolutely. And, and, and not by just one group, but yeah, by yeah. the entire society. I mean, there's a war happening right now. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It, it's it's uh, mm-hmm. per- perpetuated predominantly yes, by yes, by male human yes. beings. Uh, yes. The things that we are celebrating in mm-hmm. in terms of the survivors of mm-hmm. the war so far, mm-hmm. it, you know, is surviving. Mm-hmm. Th- through using force yeah. right and mm-hmm. and we and even though we have all these powerful people in mm-hmm. the world having conversations it seems that nothing is more powerful than force still and and, and it that is attributed as as a male characteristic mm. right because so then because you see when when women are sort of subscribing to that particular characteristic right force, strength, control, dominance. It's a whole different language that gets framed, yes. right? That's right. I mean, I think that's a whole different podcast that we could, yeah, you yeah. know, we, so, we, we should, maybe that will be our next conversation. Yeah. But I, I, th- I think I'm wondering though, you know, if, if, if someone's listening to this conversation and I hope many someones are, how do you address it? Like, do, do you have a couple of things that you, that you recommend in terms of building awareness of, Mm-hmm. of finding a way to create some ease for yourself with, mm-hmm. with this type of mm-hmm. uh, mentality and culture that's around us. Yeah. So, so first uh, there are, you know, there, there's a heavy sort of burden, you know, that, that, that men are carrying as, as a result to um, wanting to perform this type of masculinity that just is not sustainable. It is, yeah. it is not happy. It's not bringing joy. And so, you know, so, so it's the identification first and foremost that what is happening isn't working, right? right. Yes. So, so that is like the very start of the conversation. And then it opens it up to say, well, let's talk about the vision. Like, what is your vision, you know, for yourself, relationship-wise, financially, career, with your family and friends? What does that, like all these different pillars to your life, right? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Well, I want it to look like this. I want it to look like that. I want it to look like that. Great. What do you think it's going to take to get there? Well, it may require me to do this. It may require me to do that. It may yes. require me to do that. Okay. You see where I'm going? <laughs> oh, no, I, 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 was, I, was, I was going there. I was starting to revision my own life. yeah and 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 then so um you you know and just through that conversation and then beginning to really identify now even in all of this there's some skill building and and some understanding right so i'm just it's a lot more simplified so oh yes a lot more simplified than the process of course of course i mean you're talking about something very complex and takes time but i think just even having the conversation and, and creating the framework for the thinking. So here, let me just give you an example of one that shows up regularly. And it's, it's around um, men withholding, hmm. right? Withholding their emotions, not articulating, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, and, and, and what happens over time, right? When, that, when, when, they don't, when they don't practice articulating and then there tends to be an explosion, right? Yes. We all know explosions wreak havoc, right? Yes, absolutely. Damage that happens, right? And so so it, it talked to men about that. So where did you learn that? Like, why don't you say anything? Like da 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 da. And so I actually work on on the skills around speaking up, right? Mm. When you feel something, right? Like yes. what like when you think something, like, you know, okay, well I had this thought, right? Well what was happening in your body when you had that thought? 
while my heart was pumping out my chest and my jaws were clenched and, you know, my forehead got squinchy, you know, like all of that sorts of stuff. Okay. So you recognize physiologically what's going on with you, right? Like that's a sign, right? And then when there's a physical response, then we have to go back and interrogate what was the thought that got us here? Mm. Like, and let's ask some very critical questions. I love that. Right? I love that. That mm-hmm. is so powerful. So, and, 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 and what you, what, what I found, and I've heard this kind of this, this, this narrative time and time again, once we've done worked on the skill building of being able to, to get folks to articulate how they felt, mm-hmm. not, a, uh, not a criticizing of Shay per se, but I can say Shay, when this happened, this is how it made me feel. Yes. Yes, right? that's right. Right. And, and to, and, and it, it's a skill. And, 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 and I tell my, tell my clients, the things that we practice are the things we get good at. Yeah. Full stop. So if you practice silence, you will be good at silence. If you practice talking, you will get good at talking. That's just what it is. And, 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 and over time, and it's not just, you know, talking to their partner or if there's an issue at work and being able to raise that issue at work, right. Or whether it's being able to, to raise the issue mm-hmm. in their, in their child's school. Yes. Right. And all of that, that skill building and the practicing of articulating and, and advocating for yourself, right? Yes. Increases this feeling of agency. Yes. And being able to advocate without it being at a heightened emotional state, yes. because you are already in the practice of sharing how you feel and understanding where you're coming from rather than being so pent up. Because you you spend the time being silent most of the time, and 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 when when and and when folks begin to practice and practice it regularly, and they begin to have more success with it, they gain more confidence. Yes. When they gain more confidence, they're more likely to continue to practice, and when they gain more confidence and they continue to practice, they increase their sense of of self efficacy. Um, and, 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 and sense of control and, and, and agency. And so when we think about, you know, stress, right? (laughs) Stress is, stress is stress. However, when you don't feel as though that you have the skills and the resources and the support to address the stress, the feeling of being overwhelmed or out of control, right? When you, when you are faced with stress, but you feel as though that you have the skills and the support and the resources to address it, you're not overwhelmed. Yes, that's right. That's right. You, you know, have so- capacity. You have capacity. Absolutely. Right? And so this whole bit around skill building, around how to articulate and 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 advocate and and to be aware of, okay, well. I, I feel this thing, what's happening in my body. And, oh, let me be critical of the thought that got me here. Let mm. me, what, what was, what triggered me and, yes. and the root of it, because just yes. because you're triggered by something doesn't mean that that's the root of the issue. Precisely. Right. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so if, if you were, you know, wanting to sort of, you know, if the question was in around, you know, so how do we raise these things? And then how do we sort of work with, how, how is it that I work with men around some of these issues related to toxic masculinity? This one piece, this one thing about speaking, mm-hmm. right? And not just kind of like rah, rah, rah speaking, but I mean, what's really going on? Yeah, right? communicating. Yeah. And- and so here's the thing, you know, and sorry, I'm going on, I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a rampage. Right? No, I love this. This is part <laughs> but, one. This well, is part one. Of the, one. one of the, one of the things is why people don't want, why my men struggle with it is because they want to be, they don't want to be seen as vulnerable. They don't want to be seen as soft. They don't want to be seen as a punk. They don't want to like all these types of things, right? I, how will people respond to me? And so, you know, so one of the questions that, I, that I'll, I'll ask in relation to that is so, so do you have any evidence to support that? Like, do you actually have any, I know you think it. Right. But how do you know it? How do you know it? Do you actually have any evidence to support that? And typically the answer is no. 
Mm. So we have a thought trap. You fell into a thought trap. Let's get ourselves out of it, right? Right. And And you responding to the thought trap, not to the actual life that you are actually experiencing. To to the stimulus. You're not, right? Right? But but, but then, but then, here's here's the thing. So when we put things into practice, right? And so did you do, you know, did you, you know, talk up, you know, at, you know, were you able to tell your partner that, you know what, when, when they're working all the time and you feel neglected, right? Mm-hmm. Were you able to say that, right? Yeah. What was the response? Well, no, they actually, they heard me and, you know, they sort of explained that they're under a lot of stress and, you know, but they appreciate it. And so, so was it a positive experience? Yeah. Yeah, it was that there's your data set. Hmm. that's your data set. I need you to begin to work with that data set. So when you fall into the thought trap, right? Yes. Right. You actually have evidence that contradicts that. It's beautiful. (laughs) I really, I really, listen, you know what? We have to end here, but why don't we agree that this is part one and let's delve into that process Mm -hmm. a little bit for part two. Uh, Because I I just, your voice Mm -hmm. and the work that you are doing, I I just think more people need to hear this way of thinking, this Mm -hmm. process of thinking, or this way of processing our thinking. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's not enough of it. Yeah. There's not enough of it. And we can't heal without being able to, to talk and hear one another. I appreciate you using the word heal because um, there's significant healing that 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 we need to that needs to happen for us. Yes, uh, and it's because we deserve to heal. We need to heal, and we deserve to heal because we deserve to be well. Yes, <laughs> right. We deserve to be well, and yeah. So I really any any time you know Shay, and once I once I get my stuff together and and get my podcast, uh, I know I can't wait. You you are one of the first people on the show, so so I. Oh, I can't wait! I think your yeah. show is going to be it's so needed, yeah. and uh, it's going to be brilliant because you're brilliant. Yeah. Anyways, I'm yeah. going to see you next week, and we will do part two, my friend. Okay. Right, bro, thank, thank, thank you so thank much. You. I'm Shay Marville, and you've been listening to Let's Talk, a podcast dedicated to healing and growing. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and listen. I need your help to grow the reach of this show. Could you, would you please subscribe, rate and review us on any platform that you're listening to. I'd love to hear your feedback. Ciao for now.